Right, uh, we're going to go straight into the Word. We have a lot of things to get through today, so we're going to jump into the Word. Can I get you guys to please pull out your Bibles? And we're going to read, and then Pastor Daniel will come and unpack this passage for us today. We're going to go to 1 John. 1 John is near the end of the Bible. 1 John, chapter 1. One John chapter one. We're going to read verse five to ten. I'll be reading the ESV version, so please follow along. And just a reminder, as we read this, that we're reading the Word of God together. One John chapter one, verse five. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's been a while since I uh, had the opportunity to stand behind uh, this pulpit and preach, and I'm very excited to uh, deliver God's Word to us all. Um, It's a subject that has been pressing on my uh, heart personally uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, especially with uh, what what we have gone through uh, in the last year or so. Uh, But before I uh, kick things off, let me ask God for help, because I definitely need it. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak powerfully uh, this morning. Oftentimes, especially uh, among those of us who have done this uh, week in and week out uh, in a regular manner, we often forget uh, that you are present here among us, and through the preaching of your word, you speak directly to us, to our minds, to our hearts, to our very bones. So we ask that you might do this. Give me, Lord, the strength and wisdom uh, to deliver your word, not only powerfully, but also compassionately, uh, to communicate to us who gather here in your name the love of our God. Lord, what we know not, would you teach us? What we feel not, would you help us to feel it within us? And what we are not, by your grace, wouldn't you make us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oftentimes, uh, especially with my non-Christian friends, uh, when they ask me what I do, uh, obviously I tell them I'm a pastor. And uh, one of the questions that they ask as a follow-up is, how come? Uh, What made you do that? Um, I answer in many different ways, but one of the, I think, main ways that I tend to answer it is uh, I I tell them, look, I genuinely want to help people. Um, And... I think one of the greatest blessings of uh, doing what I do is being front and center uh, in the midst of the messiness of life and seeing people change, seeing people who have uh, gone through a difficult time and meeting Jesus and their lives changing. Uh, 
maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you are that person who has experienced that change. Maybe you know friends uh, within church that came, who were broken, and now are made whole uh, by the grace of Jesus. But on the flip side, I think uh, one of the most difficult parts of uh, this job, and I'm sure Pastor Paul and Pastor Peter would agree with me on this one, uh, is seeing too little of that. Is seeing someone who comes to church, who is a Christian, stay exactly the same year in and year out. Especially when from well, from my vantage point, at least, uh, there doesn't seem to be any difference in that person to, let's say, any old non-Christian friend that we know outside of our church. And of course, I can't see in their hearts that's God's job and it's God's power. So there is a real possibility uh, that God is at work even in the midst of uh, that. But I'm a human too. Uh, I can only feel from what I observe and I can't help but feel the way that I feel from what I can see, a lack of change in people's lives, I admit, is probably one of the toughest parts of uh, this job. The Apostle John knows this, and the Apostle John writes to a community of Christians who were going through something similar. They had followed Jesus for some time, but now they had somewhat stalled in their growth. How can we tell this? Well, we can tell by the topics that John writes about, that they were losing their joy as Christians. They were slipping back into habitual sin. They were forgetting who Jesus really was. Sounds similar to us? I'd imagine that all of us, myself included, have been there at one point in our lives. Maybe you feel that in this space right now, especially after the year we've had, I understand, with church planting fatigue, with pandemics, with lockdown, and with Omicron. If I had the time, I would go through the whole letter with us, but Pastor Paul has to do some stuff, and he gave me 25 minutes, so uh, I'm just going to talk uh, through six verses. And in these six verses, John gives us two clear and practical tips to get us out of this space. And that is my desire for all of us, to get out of that space of not feeling joy as a Christian, of feeling as if we're stuck in our habitual sin, or worse yet, being okay with it, forgetting who Jesus is. So two points, two tips. This talk is for those of us who are sick and tired of feeling that way, of being in that space, who have yet or haven't for a long time maybe experienced change, who want to move forward, who want to see lives, and our lives included, change for the better. So the first point is from verses 5 to 7. Don't have slides with me today, so uh, if you have a Bible, uh, please open them up and and, uh, follow along with me. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship 
with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we learn a little bit about the character of God here. God is light. So God's nature is one of revealing, right? There's a lot to say about that, those three words, but that's where I'll uh, focus our attention to. Light reveals things. Very simple. So what can we make of that? Well, then we can say that God, by nature, does not hide himself, but he makes himself known, and we know that. And this is the basis of our faith. God revealing himself to his people. We have the world we live in, creation. We have the scriptures. We have the life and death of Jesus. Uh, We believe that the God of Christianity is a God who reveals himself. Right? Amen? Then John challenges the reader. You and I. Right after making this statement. Right after us going, yeah, I agree with that. God is light. Then he says... If you say then, if we say we have fellowship with this God, in other words, yep, I'm sold, I am a Christian, while walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Said it more simply, if we live without being known, if our life and faith are too private for us, to bring into the light, then we are not living like who our God really is. But John gives us a comforting word in return. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So what can we make of this? Well, When Christians bring their lives into the light, when we start to live out our lives in the open, without secrets, without hiding, two things are promised. Number one, we get to experience genuine, loving community with other Christians. I know a lot of us, most of us, not all of us want to feel that. And then number two, Jesus covers our shame and sin with his blood. Now, I think one of the most freeing things about becoming a Christian is that we can stop pretending that we have it all together. In a way, this challenge that John presents us with is actually an immense blessing that he gifts us with. Change in the Christian happens when we can let go of the junk we have hidden away deep inside our hearts. The hurts, the the mistakes, past and present. The stuff that makes us feel shame and regret. John invites us and tells us we don't have to carry it ourselves. God who is light invites you to lay it all out. God invites us to transparency. Transparency. Maybe a reason why so many of us feel stored in this season with our relationship with God. Maybe a reason why some of us feel like fellowship with Christians and church belonging 
is so hard is because of this. Because we haven't been in this season walking in the light. That whatever the reason might be, pandemic, lockdown, stuff in life, we've so privatized our faith that no one actually knows our true selves anymore. The one that only you know. And again, I'm not saying that this is the prime and only reason, but I do believe it is quite possible that it is one of the reasons why we tend to feel like this. As if we're not growing in our faith. As if we don't feel like we quite belong in this church community. Maybe it's because we haven't stepped into the light of knowing others and being known fully by others. And this is a big ask. I know that. And in one sense, it is scary. I understand there is a reason why we keep our dirtiest laundry in the deepest parts of our hearts. We're human after all. We fear judgment. We fear exposure. Maybe there's a past experience. Maybe you heard a sermon similar along these lines and you tried your best and you got hurt by other people. It happens And these are all, to a degree, legitimate concerns. And I understand and I advocate that wisdom needs to be applied when we try to walk in this. And yet, we're Christians, aren't we? Isn't the very basis of our faith bringing things into the light? Let me say it in a couple of other ways. Isn't grace experienced all the more when sin is confessed? Isn't Jesus concerned not for the healthy, but for the sick? And isn't our God really good at taking our bad experiences and redeeming it for our good? Doesn't Jesus, even now, welcome sinners, not Pharisees? Ray Ortland, who's a, a pastor in the States, says this. Right here in the place of truth, honesty, openness, confession, owning up, God himself waits for us. We can go to him freely through Jesus. And there in the light and only in the light, everything gets better in our relationship with God and with one another. Brothers and sisters, take these steps forward. Slow, small steps into the light. Take it at your own pace. Trust in God's kindness as you move closer and closer into the light. But if you're wanting to see real change in your life that only God can give, this is among the first steps we can take to be transparent. Or put it another way. Guys, let us be real with our faith. 
Let's be real about where we are. Be real with God and most importantly, or more importantly in this context, let us be real with one another. In the context of church community, in this community, find a space where you can share your private battles. Find a space where you can ask for help, for prayer, for encouragement. Please don't struggle alone. And everyone struggles. You know, none of us were never meant to struggle alone. God has given us a great blessing in the form of those around you. For those who are new, those who have joined us in the last couple of months, my encouragement to you is take that step of faith and get to know people in the church community. I know it is a difficult thing. I'm not asking because it is easy. I'm asking because it is worth it. Small steps, but sure steps. For those of us who have signed up to growth groups, make it something. Make it a mission to create a safe space for you and for all people in your growth group to walk in the light. And maybe that means you need to take a step forward and be that first person to lay out your dirty laundry, to lay out your own personal struggles and ask for help. Let us walk in the light, brothers and sisters. Let's be transparent with our faith as much as we can be. And let us watch as God lifts us up and restores our soul. Second and final point is from uh, verses 8 to 10. Let me read. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I wondered to myself a little bit as I was preparing this talk, is there a reason why John puts these two ideas together? Walking in the light with community and a warning against denying sin. It seems like, at the, very, uh, at the outset, not that related. But I think there is a, a, a relationship between the two points. I think John is giving us not two very different lessons, but a related one. So, let me phrase it this way. In the context of walking in the light, walking in transparency, he gives us this warning. I'll rephrase it as a reminder, maybe to soften the blow for us. He says, make sure you're battling sin, battling sin together and not excusing it or refusing to fight it in the context of community. Now, when we read this first, at least for me, I thought, it seems pretty irrelevant to me. Because I'm pretty, I think I'm safe in assuming that none of us here as Christians would ever say out loud, I have no sin in me. I am not a sinner. It's kind of counterintuitive, right? That, doesn't, that makes you not a Christian. So at face value, this passage seems to be pretty irrelevant. But let me push into that a little bit. This is what I know to be true. Sin is a weapon that our enemy 
the devil, because we believe in an enemy. He uses it as a weapon, and he has a way of slowly and, and surely altering our minds, of whispering, saying, did God really say? Deception, lies, that's our enemy's forte. He doesn't explicitly throw things at us. I'll give an example of, of a sin that, is, uh, that works in this manner. All of us agree that racism is a terrible sin, Right? And thank God, by and large, uh, our society has recognized that. It doesn't have a place in the church, it doesn't have a place in society, it doesn't have a place anywhere. It is evil, it's wicked. And very few people would willingly go about saying, oh, I'm a racist. No one says that, yeah? But have you ever had a friend say to you, I'm not a racist, but, and then fill in the blanks. Have you ever had like a work colleague or even a stranger say something racist to you? And at the end say, oh, but I'm not a racist though. My, my neighbor is, is a minority. My neighbor is that ethnic uh, you know, background that I'm being racist against. We all know that racism is wrong, but even still some people are willing to court racist terms and attitudes all the while saying out loud that I am not a racist but it doesn't make any of those comments less offensive, less hurtful, and less bigoted, right? So in a similar light, as Christians, we have to be constantly careful of our own internal attitudes towards the sin that grieves our loving God. So the question I ask you here is, what is your current attitude towards sin? What is your attitude towards unwholesome speech? That's Ephesians 4, 29. It's a sin. What is your attitude towards all manner of fleshly desires? That's Galatians 5, uh, 19. Like lust and envy and idolatry. What about drunkenness? That's Romans 13, 13. And I'd say very few of us if any of us would say that these things are not sin, we all agree that these things are. But how often have we measured our lives up against these commands and actually sat in prayer confessing these sins as our own? See the difference? Let me put it this way. I'm guilty of this. So. If we find ourselves explaining away the edgy way we use our unwholesome speech, oh, I'm only kidding, that kind of thing, right? I say it all the time, God help me. Uh, or, or using bad words like, you know, swear words or, or, or bad mouthing or gossip, all that sort of thing. And, and there are ways that we can excuse that. There are ways that we can maybe justify it. And maybe it's legitimate, maybe it's not so much. Depends on the, the context, I suppose. But the point is, if we do that all the time, but we don't remember the last time we sat in prayer confessing to God that we need help with our speech, then at least for me, I would, re- I would reevaluate my attitude toward that sin. Am I like this person that John is talking about? Am I practically in the approach to sin saying, I am not a sinner? 
I have no sin. I have not sinned. Rather than saying, I have and I am. You see, the the phrase, we have no sin. We have not sinned. That's not a phrase of a special sort of ancient backwater Christian heresy that John is talking about. It can easily become the secret whisper of our hearts. Ultimately, John warns us that if we say these things, I have no sin, I have not sinned, God's word, God's truth is not in us. That is a pretty, pretty stark warning. Brothers and sisters, rather than flirt with sin, rather than trying to get closest possible to the sin that we are supposed to despise, if you want real life-changing transformation, tell the truth about sin. We as Christians ought to call sin, sin. And we should not compromise on calling it for what it is. Why is this so hard for us? I mean, I know why, because we're all sinners, but why is it so hard for us as Christians to do this? Why do we excuse it so often? I mean, think about it. They say that the first step towards an addict's journey to overcoming their addiction was to admit that they're an addict. For example, Alcoholics Anonymous, which I believe was actually started uh, in the church. Alcoholics are encouraged before they can beat their alcoholism to admit with their own words that they are an alcoholic, right? We've seen the memes. We've seen, you know, hi, my name is Daniel and I'm an alcoholic. And you go around in a circle and people do that. People understand that. Why aren't we applying that in the Christian context? I mean, brothers and sisters, if we are wanting a real life-changing transformation, if you are sick and tired like I am of being in the same boring, mediocre spot and rut that we have been in for such a long time, one of the first steps we can take is to admit that we are in a rut, that we are a sinner, that these behaviors, habits, and attitudes are not okay, that they're sinful. The by definition, Christian growth is becoming better and better at beating our sin and becoming more and more like Jesus. We call that sanctification. But how can we hope to beat our sin if we don't remember the last time that we caught it out in our lives. In verse 9, John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. I think when we read the word confess, I know that we have a couple of uh, ex-Catholics here, but 
maybe your mind goes here too, but my mind tends to go here. It's like you know, the confessional box in the Catholic Church. You walk into it and you kind of go, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And we kind of think of that when we hear the words, if we confess. But we don't need to overcomplicate it. We don't need to over-religiousize it. Confess, it's just another way of saying, agreeing with, acknowledging, owning up to. So when a Christian sins, and we all sin, the first response should never be, but in this, te- in this context, it may not actually be real sin. But rather, I have sinned. I am a sinner. God help me. I need to change. And that's the second step. Christians who want life-changing transformation call sin, sin. We're truthful about it. We don't beat around the bushes. Words, actions, habits, we call it out. We're convinced that these things are unhelpful, ungodly, and unchristian. And we deal with it. Transparency and truthfulness. Two points, two tips. These are among the first steps Christians take when we want to move in the direction of real life-changing transformation. Transparency in particular with others in the church, in church community. We do not wander alone in the dark. We walk together in the light. We are truthful about sin. We do not excuse, explain away, or justify sin. We call it sin, and we own up to it, and we battle it. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian uh, during World War II, actually, he wrote a great book about this. It's called Life Together, and I encourage you guys to read it. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It sums it up pretty nicely. Let me read from uh, that book. He who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. It may be that Christians, in spite of corporate worship, in spite of prayer, in spite of all their fellowship in service, may still be left to their loneliness. The final breakthrough does not occur because though they have fellowship with one another as devout people, they do not have fellowship as sinners, as undevout people. The so-called holy fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. And so everyone must conceal his sin from himself and from others. We dare not be sinners. And many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. And so we remain alone in our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. But the fact is that we are sinners. Perhaps the reason why we struggle so hard to experience genuine, grace-filled Christian fellowship, why we seem to be stuck in our own sinful rut alone, is simply put, like Bonhoeffer says, we do not see ourselves as having fellowship with other sinners. Perhaps we have convinced ourselves that the church is only for the pious, for the pure, for the holy, where no sin is allowed. And so we conceal it. And sometimes even convinced that we don't have it. Perhaps we have approached church not as sinners, but as so-called righteous people without sin. 
And as John says here, we have deceived ourselves in the process. You see, the invitation for you and me from this passage is to do life together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. To do life together in this church. To do away with lies and hypocrisy. And experience, as Bonhoeffer says, that final breakthrough. To be transparent. To be truthful. And let me end with another encouraging word from Bonhoeffer. And this is what I hope that everyone experiences as we apply transparency and truthfulness in our church. Let me read. The sin must be brought into the light. The unexpressed must be openly spoken and acknowledged. Only then he stands in the fellowship of sinners who live by the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. Now he can be a sinner and still enjoy the grace of God. He can confess his sins and in this very act find fellowship for the first time. The sin concealed separated him from the fellowship, made all his apparent fellowship a lie. The sin confessed has now helped him to find true fellowship within the brethren in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we ask for help. It is a good word, but a challenging one. Oftentimes, because we are sinners, ironically, our default mode is to walk in the dark, is to be private, perhaps too private. It is to excuse, justify the very thing that grieves you. Father, we don't want to be like this anymore. We want to be men and women who change daily. We want to see in our lives and in the lives of others breakthrough, victory, conquering our sinful habits, being better at living this life for your sake, being more like Jesus for your sake. We ask for help. We ask that these words might be ingrained in our hearts and be planted deep in our hearts. Help us to be transparent and truthful in order to experience real change. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, thanks, Daniel, uh, for the powerful word and the good reminder of, yeah, I guess what we're meant to do as Christians. At uh, this time, I'm just going to share briefly, I'm thinking like seven minutes, uh, just on the vision for like for Kingsway this year. Like what's the banner, what's the theme, what's the focus that we want to put before you um, as Kingsway you know, tackles 2022? Right, so what's the vision? I guess the real question uh, we want to answer is like not what's my vision or my wish and my desire for Kingsway or for you. Uh, what's God's vision and what's God's desire for you? Right, and that answer is probably multifaceted. Uh, for each individual, it'll be maybe slightly different. You can maybe come up with six different things that God might want you to do this year. 
Um, but I have one thing that I know with absolute certainty is God's desire for you this year. Right? Regardless of who you are and you know, what you're going through, no matter what 2022 brings at you, whether you're single or married, whether you're young or old, I am absolutely certain God's vision, God's will, God's desire for you this year is what I'm going to say. And so I want to take that and we're going to make that our vision for this year, 2022. All right, so what is it? Right, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, for this is the will of God. Right, he makes that a statement. This is the will of God. Right? No matter what you're going through, no matter who you are, this is God's will for you right now. And this is what he says. This is God's will for you, your sanctification. You know, sometimes we're unsure of what God wants for us, right? God, what do you want for my 2022? Or what do you want me to do in my work? What decisions do you want me to make in my relationships? You know, what should I do with my life? God, if I only knew, God, if you'd only tell me your will, well, I'd, I'd take it and I'd run. And I'd make it happen. God, if you just tell me what you want. Right? This passage tells us with no uncertain terms, this is exactly what God wants from you. God wants your sanctification. God wants you to grow in holiness. God wants you to become more like Jesus. God's purpose for you in any year, at any given time, at any moment, is your holiness. Remember, we're going to take that and we're going to put that as our banner this year and say, this is what we're running for. This is what we're pushing for. It's sanctification, right? It's holiness. Let me put it another way. It doesn't matter what else you might do this year, what other milestones you might hit, or personal goals you set and you put it on your wall and you tick it off, I did it. It doesn't matter what else you do, if you don't pursue holiness and you haven't grown in your sanctification, this year was not pleasing to God. Well, you haven't accomplished one of God's greatest desires for you as a Christian. And so our, our theme for this year is we're going to make it a year of holiness. A year of holiness. Now, how do you feel when you hear a year of holiness? Right? When you hear the word holiness, right? personally for me, it's like, it's a bit like, um, it's confronting. Right? The word holiness is, is heavy. A little bit overwhelming, like holiness. Right? When I think of the word holiness, I was trying to like describe it in words. I feel like it's, it's just, it's just, like that, that's just, I have no words for that. It's just overwhelmingly kind of glorious, right, that word, holiness. And I thought about, you know, maybe we should make it a little bit more palatable. A year of growth. That sounds a little nicer. A year of being like Jesus. It's a bit softer. But for all the reasons that it's a little uncomfortable is the reason why, you know, I just stuck with it, right? A year of holiness. Because a year of holiness is not vague. If it's a year of growth, I think some of us, even myself, I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm doing that. Right? I think a year of being like Jesus, I think I'd say, I don't need to apply anything. You know, I think I'm trying that. But when I hear a year of holiness, hopefully for you too, I think that's not where I am. That's something I really need to strive for. When I hear a year of holiness for me, I think of all the areas of my life and I think I can do better in all of those areas. As a parent, 
holiness, I can list a whole bunch of things. As a spouse, husband, mm, right? A, little, a lot of things coming up. As, as a Christian, as a leader, as a pastor, holiness, right? there's a lot of things that come to mind. It's confronting, right? but hopefully in a good way. And I know that there's no area of my life that I can just leave if this year is a pursuit of holiness that I really need to fight for it. And I hope that as you hear holiness in that discomfort you might feel, maybe that confronting feeling that it would motivate you to bring this year into a year of action. First Peter chapter 1, Peter says this. He says, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That is, when you, before you were a Christian and the things you chased, right? Don't chase them. But as obedient children, as he who called you is holy, God, as God is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. You know, as children of God, we are to imitate our Father, and our Father is holy. And so as children who are meant to be like our Father, this passage is saying we are to be holy. Be holy as God is holy. You know, God is holy, that word means set apart. But God is unlike anything or anyone in this world. He's absolutely different. He's perfect. And in that same way, we are to be set apart from this world different, unique, just like our Father is, in the way that we think, in the way that we live, in the way that we speak. Now, don't get me wrong, because we're all about grace. Right? One of our values is that we're gospel-centered, this message of forgiveness. You might have heard us say, God loves you, though you fail. Right? We are imperfect, but because of Jesus, he covers over your sins and he welcomes you. That's true. Amen. But the other side of that coin is that we fight, right? We really fight for holiness, right? Grace is not an excuse to stay in our sins. Grace is not an excuse for you to say, well, God forgives me, so I'm just going to stay the way that I am. Grace and that place of freedom is meant to motivate us to keep trying to be more like Jesus. Because I know that even though I try and sometimes I will fail, he will still forgive me and he will still love me and he picks me back up so that I will keep fighting for that. When we hear that God loves me, though I am a sinner, that's not meant to allow us to stay in sin. But we think, wow, God loves me that much and I love God in response, so I want to do what pleases him. And what pleases him is that I'll be like him, that I'll fight for holiness. And so we are all about grace, but the other side of that coin is that we will fight, and we fight for holiness. Or as Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? Love the king. That's, that's what God has done in his grace, allows us to be loved and love him, but we also live his way. Right? And this year, we want to put that before us. King's way, we're going to try and fight and we're going to live this way. And what does that look like then for us this year? You know, holiness being that unattainable goal it is, that we will never really reach it on this side of heaven, right, on this earth, 
It's not something that we're going to get done with, you know, we've got a conference, and that's, what, that's what's going to make it happen. We've got these three things, and once we do those three things, you know, we're done. That's not how it works. Holiness and our pursuit of holiness is a thousand different thoughts and decisions that you and I and the church is going to make this year. It's all the small things and the big things that is going to get us there. And so when I say we're going to aim for holiness and pursue it, what that looks like is not so much reaching a destination. What's important is that we're facing the same direction. That we as a community throughout this year are constantly looking to that goal, holiness. Constantly being reminded of holiness, praying about holiness, speaking it into each other's lives every step of this year. Whether it's at church or at home, whether it's at work or as a husband or wife, just constantly reminding each other and facing that direction. And we're going to take all these small steps forward and sometimes large steps forward and sometimes we're going to take steps back. But it's a constant thing that we're putting at the forefront of our minds. It's going to be a banner that hopefully with your spiritual eyes you will look to every day. That's our desire for Kingsway. There's some practical things we're going to do. Next week we're starting a new series on the book of James. James is a very practical book and hopefully it will you know, put that other side of you know, Christianity, which is you know, let's do stuff. Let's work on stuff. Let's change stuff. Throughout the year, you know, we're going to we're going to have our membership course, you know, fingers crossed, eventually. Right, knock on wood, we've kept pushing it back. And that will be a call to your commitment to Christ and commitment to this church so that we can grow in holiness. Growth groups, again, we're starting soon. And the material that we're going to go through is actually, um, it's not so much Bible heavy. Right? It might be a bit different for some of us. But I think what it will afford us is the opportunity to put our lives before each other, as we just heard. And to apply what we know into our lives, right? To really aim for that end goal, which is transformation and not just biblical knowledge. We want to think about how this affects, you know, whole areas of our lives. And so I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but I want to put, you know, God and his standard of holiness and put it in front of our work. And what does it look like in work? Or what does it look like in marriage? What does it look like for our kids, or what does that look like you know, in our different areas of life? Because holiness is one of those things that spreads everywhere. And so that's our theme. A year of holiness. Right? And throughout the year, we'll, we'll put it forward again and remind us and explain how we might do that together. But my, I guess, request from us at Kingsway is to make this your commitment. As you look at 2022 and... I don't know what personal goals you might have set, that you would make it your commitment, God, this year. I'm going to commit this year to do your will, to obey you, to align my life to the way that you want me to live. And if it is a year where you pursued holiness, it will be a year well spent. But it will be a year where God will say, yes, you did what I wanted you to do. I want you to make it your prayer. Pray about this. Even daily pray, God, make me more like Christ today. Pray for your friends. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for us as a church that we would step and run together toward this direction. Make this your exhortation. 
speak into each other's lives. We just heard again, we heard it last week too and today, that the importance of your voice in each other's lives, right? It's so vital. Exhort one another toward holiness, right? Encourage, rebuke, call out people because we need that covering of community. Let me end with this. You know, last year was a year, for me, maybe for you, a year unlike any other year. Kind of like 2020, but 2021 was just, I think, a whole nother level, right? It was set apart from kind of everything else in all the bad ways, right? For all the bad reasons, right? Difficult, isolation, lockdown, etc. You know, I want 2022 to be set apart from any other year, but for all the good reasons, for all the godly reasons. We say God is holy and is set apart. I want 2022 to be set apart, that we would set ourselves apart, so that we would look back and say 2022 was a year that was unlike any other year because I looked to holiness and I fought for it as any believer is called to do. I took my life in transparency in truthfulness, and I put God's word as the standard against it. And I fought with fear and trembling to be holy this year. We are a gospel-centered church. There is forgiveness when we fail, but we fight to be more like Jesus. And that's our call for this year. Let's be holy. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. And I want us to pray for two things. First, would you pray for yourself? And when I put that before us and I say, let's fight for holiness, I just want to remind you that this isn't something that I've, I've made up. I haven't said, you know, this is what I believe or, you know, the, the pastors come up with. You know, actually in our discussion, I, didn't, I was the last one to kind of come on board this. But the reality is that this is God's will for us. In any moment of our lives, God's will, God's vision, God's desire is that you would become holy. And I want you to receive that not as a word from me, but as a word from God spoken into your life as a challenge be holy, for I am holy. And I ask you, before God, as He calls you to fight that good fight, and as He calls you to pursue this with all of your energy and all of your might, I invite you to commit to it this year. Not because I asked you to, but because I know that this is God's will for you. God, I give you my life. I give you this year. I give you the good and the bad. No matter what it costs me, I want to make this a year of holiness. Can you make that your prayer? Can you come before God and commit yourself to Him right now? Let's make that our prayer.
know, the word that we heard um, preach from Pastor Daniel is a scary passage. If we really sit and think about what it's saying, it's saying that, you know, if we're not honest with our sins before God and, you know, we don't call sin out as it really is, then we may not be Christian at all. That we are deceiving ourselves into thinking that we have a relationship with God when we really don't. That's a really confronting and scary passage. So the call to holiness is it's real and it's important and it's something for us to take seriously. You know, second, as we, before we sing, can we just pray for Kingsway? Pray for one another. Pray for the people around you, maybe. Pray for you know, the whole. Maybe pray for the people in your growth group. Pray for your friends. That we will take this call to holiness seriously. And pray that your brother or sister will be confronted by the word and heed the warnings of Scripture and surrender their lives before God. You know, this isn't something that they're going to do by themselves. Holiness is not something we can attain by our own strength. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works and wills inside of us. It is God that we need inside to motivate and to strengthen and to give us that passion and to get us up when we fail and to make this matter to us and keep pushing on no matter what comes this year. So let's pray this for Kingsway. Let's pray this for our friends. Call them to holiness, God. Convict their hearts and work in their lives so that they might actually take steps forward toward holiness this year. Let's make that our prayer for our church. Let's pray.